Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brandon, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift. Yes, this is what I want people to understand while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Yeah, the music, I wasn't hearing anything in my headphones except for like this weird staticky drum. I couldn't hear any. So I was looking at you like, and you were just, what? What's the matter? What's the matter? So Speaking of background noise that you can probably hear, I think my washer is spinning out again. Awesome. We've had that issue. Then we started just in time. Let me go and close that door real quick. And I'm also turning my phone on do not disturb. I should have done that too. Before right, we go, before talk we to started. Carl. Go. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to another podcast, Carl. We're super happy that you're here. We're waiting for the weather to warm up here in Central Indiana. It's it's pretty cold, but I say that I say cold because it's like 50, 50 degrees, and we're just sick of it. We would like for it to be seventy or seventy five. And so 50 is is not really cold. I mean, it's not like it's going to snow or anything, but it just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to have 50-degree overcast weather yeah. when we could have sunshine and warmer weather. We could, and we Cammie's don't. making chicken for me, and she... She's making chicken bites. Yeah, she's making chicken bites, and she just said, do you want some? She mouthed it. To you? To me, because she knows we're recording. But in the meantime, Colin's school is blaring in the kitchen. I hear it. Emery I can actually hear it, and I'm deaf. Emery and Silas are playing on their tablets behind me. So And it's, it's cold, and you're, we're setting up for a birthday party. A lot of activity. I talked to Grandma yesterday on the phone. My mom? She does not approve of the Harry theme. Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. She did, we, we, talked about, uh, we talked about Harry Potter couple of weeks ago and i think it has a i think she may have brought it up because it was a reference to this to the party to this party that you're throwing i need to take a picture of the decorations and text it to the family as a reminder i usually do that i usually send out a reminder text halfway through the week about the theme to, just to let them know the party is still on don't forget and and we look forward to seeing you here but yeah yes. i talked to her and i asked what i usually ask when somebody says they're uncomfortable with you know, sorcery, witches and wizards and things. I said, right. how do you feel about Narnia, C.S. Lewis, right. and um, Lord of the Rings with J.R. Tolkien? And she's like, well, I haven't read Lord of the Rings, but I want to. And I said, you should. It's enjoyable. And then I, and right, she said... That's, that sort of avoids the question. Well, she said, I have read Narnia. I've read the C.S. Lewis books. And then she said, I read them to the boys. When they were younger, I think maybe she said that, or she mm. said she read them when they when you were younger, maybe. That's probably what it was because she never read them to us. Yeah, and so I said, you know, did you like those? And she said, I did. And I said, you know, that Lewis and Tolkien were both Christians, and they talked often about stories and how they impact, you know, the development of the Christian character. And she's like, I did know that. And I said, obviously, you know, um, the Harry Potter. C. 
series is not written by a Christian. Right. But I do think there's something to be said about, you know, heroes and and good guys triumphing over evil. And that's really what it's about. It's about kids who work together to to conquer over darkness. Yes. So that's Harry's. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't yeah, read it. Don't spoil it. Yeah. I'm reading the books out loud to the kids too the during read alouds. Sets Harry apart. And I do have a bone to pick with Rowling because you do. She the way that she wrote, the way she writes the dialogue is very difficult to read because out loud. she doesn't tell you who's speaking until the very end of a paragraph. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one thing. And also, she has a lot of she leaves a lot of things interrupted or unsaid. Like she'll have a dangling. Like a person will say. Oh, if this is if this is as bad as I think it is, and then just pause, like they just stop, right. and it's hard to interrupt yourself while you're reading out loud. When you're reading it to yourself, you can see there's a dash at the end of the sentence, and you go, "Okay, that's the end of what that person said." But to convey it to my children while I'm reading, <clears throat> excuse me, my nose is stuffing up. To convey it to my children while I'm reading out loud is hard, and she does it all the time. Where like you've got this entire dialogue back and forth between these two people and they just keep cutting each other off repeatedly and you have to you have to read that aloud it almost requires doing different voices i do different voices to to a degree but most of the time what i end up doing is just like filling in what they were going to say really yeah so i add a lot of words you add to jk rowling's sacred tomb if this tomb or tome tome If, if this is as bad as I think it's going to be, then that won't be good, you know, or something like that. So like, you do- <laughs> I fill it in. <laughs> with, I'll be so with mad. With benign yeah. words to finish the sentence. To help them understand the point. Because the, the point is to convey that they are, you know, worried or they're thinking ahead about something. And, and they don't have to finish the thought for a more mature reader. Right. But for but younger some kids children, don't follow. Right. They don't know where it was going to go before it was interrupted. If it's as bad as we think it is, what? What? <laughs> if it's as bad as we think it is, then what? Speak, woman. <laughs> Tell me what. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm on pins and needles. <laughs> what if it's as bad as we think it is? <laughs> then what? And so then I'll just say, then I'll be disappointed or <laughs> I'll be very unhappy. Yeah. Comma. Then. Yeah. So yeah. And then of course, like what Tabby said, Tabby agrees with me that sometimes you're reading along and you get like three sentences into this quotation and it's like, and it's somebody else said talking. third person who wasn't even in the room a few seconds ago. <laughs> it's that person who was not even, I didn't even know was in the scene. It's like, Oh, excuse me. You sneaked up on me. Like, yeah. I didn't see you there. <laughs> That's what it's like. Right. Uh, so it's written, it, it's almost written as if it was movie dialogue and you could see things happening on yeah, the screen. Yeah, a lot of the movie dialogue comes straight from the movie. From or the from book. the book, I yeah. mean. A lot of the, like, direct quotes. Um, Malfoy, when uh, they're playing Quidditch up in the, they're playing Quidditch up way up in the sky in a storm and the bludger, which is one of the balls, is attacking Harry, which it's not supposed to do. It's no. been bewitched. It's been hexed. And so he's trying to dodge it because it's going to like... Knock him off his broom. It's going to kill him pretty much. It's coming sure. straight for his head. Sure. And so while he's like looping and weaving and trying to get away from this thing, Malfoy says, training for the ballet, Potter. And it's directly from the book and they say it in the movie too. And that's just one example. They quote directly a lot. So, uh, so you ha- had a had a conversation about magic and the appropriateness of magic in 
Christian uh, lives. Yeah, it was just a quick one. You know, it's just a quick exchange where I basically just said, well, we know that there are some cases where magic or fantasy are acceptable because we know when it's a Christian author, we tolerate it. And so uh, I also told her, because I thought it would warm her up to J.K. Rowling, I said, you know, she's been canceled and wasn't even allowed to be <laughs> at the thought, Harry you Potter. You thought you could win her over to J.K.'s cause? <laughs> I said she wasn't even allowed to be at the, on, the, on the documentary that was for the 20th anniversary of yeah, the films because she's such a radical feminist. And I said, I don't agree with she her. She offended her... Her fans. Right. I don't agree with her her stance on feminism, but the fact that she stood up against the trans ideology is why she's paying now. And I do think Grandma was, you know, slightly impressed by that. So So there you go. Uh, Grandma's a tough nut to crack. It's hard to win her over. And she... uh, She's gonna come. She's not boycotting the the birthday. She's gonna come, like even that. though it's even though it's a Harry Potter. Even theme. though it's satanic. Yeah. Uh, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody about, and it's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of along the same lines. Where he's got a a daughter who was for a time when she was a teenager was in, engaged in the uh, Indian like American. Native American uh, mm. tribalistic uh, spiritualism, you know, the Great Spirit and the, the all of that for a time. Native American stuff, yeah. Not still. Not no, currently. apparently she's not now. But he, this guy, was telling me that she was, you know, she was talking about the Great Spirit and the Great Spirit made this and that, and uh, and he said, "Well, you need to do more research. You need to." You need to read more uh, because he, of course, was a Christian person and she was raised to be a Christian person, but she sort of went through a Native American spiritualism phase. Um, And I said to him, he said, well, I I, um, am of the opinion that God, uh, that God revealed himself to different people groups and mm-hmm. um, that's not to say that Native American and, or any of the, or any of, that's not to validate any of the pagan religions necessarily. But I do think that there is a, it, it's plausible to me at least that some of the other uh, lore, some of the other religious lore, when you listen to it, there are parallels to, you know, Christianity. There are things that you can go, well, this is what, it's not the same name that we use, right. and it's not the exact same story that we tell, but there's some parallels in right. even pagan religion that I think kind of kind of validates the whole uh, generic God narrative. Validates, validates the generic Validates theism. God. Validates theism, specifically. Oh, yeah. I've been encouraged many times... <laughs> I feel a little guilty talking about it now because I listened to a podcast recently where they were talking about reductionism and the problem with like trying to boil things down to their, you know, base truth. Like it is a problem if you're like trying to agree with everybody all the time and not sticking to the, the guns. Did I mention this on the podcast? I know I talked to you at church about it briefly. I don't think so. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. We the talked King's about Hall. deconstruction, but we haven't talked about reductionism. It was the King's Hall podcast, which I have mentioned at least once on the podcast. But yeah. 
Um, Which is what she usually does, Carl. She usually plugs other people's podcasts like crazy. Well, what am I going to do? People are already listening to ours. Why would I plug our podcast on our podcast? That's silly. I'm going to plug other people's. That's a good point. So the King's Hall podcast was talking about, you know, um, they always start every episode with like a little um, anecdote, like a little story that's two or three minutes long. Um, Like one time they talked about how they accidentally, somebody somewhere out west like had the these oil reserves under their their city under their town and they caught fire and they're still burning like are you familiar with i am familiar with that there's a town yes i know i I wrote about it a couple of years ago did you Uh well they were talking about how like they accidentally set the the mine the coal mine on fire yeah and And it's still burning well there's no way to put it out right You, you can't get water down there and right. so it's all of these veins of coal have literally been burning for decades. For decades, and they will for more centuries. Yeah. For centuries, they're going to burn. But they had to leave the town. And if you go right. to the town now, there's all these abandoned buildings, and there's just smoke, like, coming up through the streets. Yep. Yep. So they talked about that, and they used it to explain, like, they weaved it into the, the theme of their podcast. And so at the beginning of the one that I'm talking about with um, deconstruction or uh, reductionism, reductionism, they talked about how back... You know, in the 1600s, 1700s, and even some in the 1800s. Oh, here's Silas. Silas is here. Yes, Silas. He's not wearing his hat now, Carl. He had one of those, uh, like, aviator hats that has the ear flaps. He wore that downstairs just on his own. No one told him to do it. And I... I kind of respect that. Oh, okay. I kind of respect a kid. just go change your pants. I kind of respect a kid who puts on... Just he a loves that goofy hat. looking hat. He's got ear flaps. And yeah, yeah. He just told me he has a little issue with his underwear, and so he needs to go change them, and he needs to go potty. But you can take care of it. He's four. Yeah, you're four, and you know where your undies are. He's four. He he knew which underwear was not his too. He came down when I walked in. He had a a really irritated look on his face. He was holding a pair of his sister's underwear. Right. And he goes, "These are not mine." Right. And I said. Uh, they don't look like yours. They look like they might belong to your sister. And he goes, why were they in my basket? And yeah. I said, I guess somebody must have accidentally put them in there. Yep. But yep. it was it really distressed him to find underwear that did not belong to him in I his can basket. completely understand. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, um, they the story that they were telling was that, you know, back in the 15th century, well, for centuries really in Europe, Um, there were these lords, you know, who had these um, keeps and these villages and vast estates Mm -hmm. with, like, sometimes thousands of acres of land that they would amass over time. And their castles were filthy, too, but that's different. They were, but they had, like, you know, servants, um, just stable people and, you know, metal workers and all of these, just an entire... A community. Community would would build up under these people. And, and then they would pass them down to their oldest son. They would not divide them. Like an inheritance would go to the oldest son, and it would not be divided among the siblings because they wanted to keep everything together. Right. And so over the course of hundreds of years, they would... <laughs> Here he is. Here he is. He's, he's come to you for some assistance. Yeah, I'm going to have to pause because there's no way I can give this type of assistance while doing the, okay, the podcast. I go, go ahead. Do you think that there are okay. other podcasts where the hosts... Where they have to pause to wipe a bottom? To the, where, where a naked butt gets thrust up in the air <laughs> and the host has to stop 
and clean it. There may be others, but I bet there's not. I'll I bet. I'll bet this them. is this is the reason you listen to the comedian next door because things happen on this podcast that I'm I will. I will almost guarantee don't happen in other podcasts. Well, you think Joe Rogan ever does this? No, not somebody who has a studio, right? But but perhaps the the men with the Kings Hall podcast do because they have one of them. Brian Sauvé has a podcast with his wife that's separate from the Kings Hall, but they they host that one too, and they usually have their infant daughter nursing at the breast. While. I would be interested to hear. Yeah, yeah. Those those days are still. We we have never had. A podcast, have we? Since the since the inception of our podcast, somebody has been breastfeeding the whole time. Well, somebody, not me, not you specifically. Yeah, but you did your fair share. Yes. in the early days, Emery and Silas both. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I would be interested to know how many naked rear ends there are in other podcasts. I would be interested <laughs> in that data. There, there are probably some, but little tiny amongst, bottoms amongst the fight laugh feast people and uh-huh. the the king's hall people and other you know reformed family centric people where they're all they're all about community and they're all about including the children and right. they don't even think anything about it they baptize their infants yeah and so they you don't know. think a thing about it so it's like okay well just wipe that bottom and let's get back to the podcast right. and clean the even- butt Nobody's even scandalized, probably. But this is taking longer to explain than I intended. I did not expect to make this much of a big deal about their anecdote because they already did a whole podcast about this. Uh-huh. So um, so I'm going to try to cut to the chase. Okay. Basically, you know, lords would pass down their inheritance to their oldest sons, and then it was up to them to manage them. But what would happen was eventually an unwise son would get, would get the inheritance. Right, of course that was going to happen. And he would start to sell off parts of the land in order to pay for his, you know, vices, whatever. For his, for his uh, drinking and irresponsible behavior. His women and his gambling and all of this. So, right. and he would think to himself, it's just a little bit and it's just on the outskirts. It's not that much. Right. Who cares about this fringy part of our kingdom? It's woods, you know, we've got lots yeah, it's of woods, woods. It's, whatever. It's maybe a... But what would happen was he would start to realize too late that that land was being used by, you know, a farmer somewhere who was paying rent to sustain another part of the land. And so eventually, as he's like letting servants go or chopping off chunks of their land, he's reducing his his income goes his down too. influence and his and it turns out it wasn't frivolous. It's like it's like removing an organ, like thinking, oh, this is not this is vestigial. Like, we don't need this anymore. We don't need these appendix. Come to find out like, oh, that's called the pancreas. It regulates your blood sugar, you know, or something like that. We don't need this heart. (laughs) It's very small, but it looks like it actually has a pretty big purpose. This gland does nothing. And I bring that up for the same reason that I'm, I brought up like reductionism because with, with Christianity, sometimes you find that when you start throwing out quote, lesser theology, like lesser doctrines, ah, we can like sometimes find doctrines. that they were... Su- like Native American doctrines. They were supporting like important things. So like, you know, a thousand years ago, maybe the early Christians were arguing about whether the flesh was evil or not, you mm-hmm. know? And we think, well, that's not really our thing anymore. We're right. not as concerned with that. And that's valid. Like you have to pay attention to what people are talking about in your time and place. But if you just decide you're going to link up with the Catholics because we're going to attack, you know, abortion together. Right. You also have to recognize that there are some, quote, lesser land issues 
that if you sell them too quickly, you might you might regret it later. Like you might find that you've reduced Christianity to something that it can't be on its own. Right. Does that right. make sense? It does. Well, there is a uh, theology. Theology doesn't exist in a vacuum either. Right. And, and so Christian theology, in order to be as robust and as, uh, as reliable as it is, needs contrasting theologies right. to be, you know, held up with, not necessarily against, but held up with, it's because it all, the theological landscape is made up of a whole bunch of different shapes and colors. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that Native American spiritualism is a replacement right. for Christianity. Right. But I'm saying that there is, uh, and I'm not saying that all roads lead to God. I'm not saying right. that either. But I'm saying that there are certain elements in in all uh, religions. Real, well, in because all real spiritualism, like, like Buddhism, it. is not really spiritualism. But. Not, well, but there's even still in Buddhism. I know we did an Eastern mysticism podcast the other day where we took it apart, and we should have. But yeah. there is still stuff. There are still things in Buddhism too that resonate with people for a reason. And sure. I think the only reason humans fall for that stuff is sure. because. It makes sense. The reason nobody actually believes in this flying spaghetti monster is because it's so ridiculous that it does not agree with anything right. true. And we all know that. We just right. have this like instinct about it, a conscience about it. I don't know what you want to call it. I think the reason that some things actually lead people astray is because of the inherent truth, the, t the tiny bits of truth that might be hidden right. in them, I right. think. It's not... But who was it that said it's not right? It's not right and wrong. It's not it's determining. It's almost right. Yeah, right it's determining right. between right and almost. Is that right. Chesterton? No, yeah. I don't remember who it was. Well, it it was this, it Lewis. This hit me. <laughs> no, this this hit me when I was. Uh, you know who would know? Jason Farley. Somebody's yelling at the. Somebody's yelling at their radio. Or so, at their somebody's phone yelling right at now. us right now. It's probably either Juwan or Jason Farley. Jason Farley probably he, knows this right off the top of his head. Jason's too important to listen to our podcast. I know, I know. But if he did, I like him so much. I know. I like his beard. Difference between right and almost right. I'm he's googling it. A, Don't he's worry. Such an affable chap, Jason is. <sighs> Who said it? Oh, uh -huh. Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. It is Spurgeon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, okay, but the reason that I got that. that I got that out of the way because you brought up the fact that there are these truths that seem to agree and that there's these narratives that are weaved through all of these religions. And mm -hmm. I agree. And there have been many times where I was encouraged by that. Like right. not because sometimes you get kind of weighed down and overwhelmed and um Right, stressed right, right. by all the differences well, and the disagreements. And some people are so are, are so afraid that they're going to speak a heresy, right? That they that they chop away everything except right. for this one narrow little line of reasoning, and then they try to cram, they try to cram the entirety of God into, into this teeny weeny little. Now, what do you think is more common? Theology. Do you think people are more afraid of heresy or more afraid to disagree? with people because i think i think you're describing people who are have such a narrow understanding like their doctrine is the only doctrine they will not I'm, agree with anybody well, about I'm, anything i'm talking about this guy because the guy i was talking to is a baptist guy and and he he was saying from his perspective he was he was dismayed because his daughter was talking about yes you know native american spiritualism, spiritualism. and that does not 
match up with Baptist theology. Right. No, it doesn't. And so he was... Can confirm. <laughs> he was upset about that because she wasn't believing the right things. And right. while I agree with that, and I, and I understand being dismayed, I, I have... I read a book a few years ago that was... I didn't make it all the way through, I'll confess, because it was pretty heavy. But it was a book that was about monotheism. Mm -hmm. And I've got it on my Kindle. I can't remember the exact title oh, of it. Is it the one about how monotheism did not come after polytheism? Yes, about how, how, how monotheism was basically first mm -hmm. in, uh, in the world history. It seems to be that people first believed that there was a ultimate maker of all things. Mm -hmm. And this is... This is what they've determined from uh, from antiquities, from looking at people groups and the way those people groups migrated and following yeah. some of the... And, and dinosaur bones. Artwork. Yeah, I don't know that they looked at <laughs> dinosaur bones. They found a mosquito in did. some I, amber, I and then know. they realized monotheism. They found it in the shape of a cross. <laughs> uh, so, so monotheism seemed to be the thing that, that throughout... Before there was written language and, and all of that sort of stuff, there were people seemed to believe that there was a, but they didn't always call it God either. They had all kinds of different names, but it was this, this being that was responsible for them being there. Right. And they had all kinds of different ways of worshiping it. They had all sorts of different ways of expressing it. Sometimes but, it was bloody and violent. And sometimes, often, it was bloody and violent. Yeah. Um, but they had, they, they all seemed to have this sense. And, and these are people who didn't even necessarily interact with each other. Right. These are, these are people groups scattered around who, who somehow all seemed to have the same general idea about, right. about this god and i thought that was really interesting i'm encouraged i know yeah. i'm encouraged by it but i'm asking do you think that right now in this moment in the majority of churches in the united states are people more inclined to be too rigid and dogmatic for their brand of christianity no. Or more inclined to like embrace everybody, right? There, and it's, only focus on the things we agree on, right? It's it's much more likely that we are in a culture now that's going to go. Oh, you know what? Native American spiritualism—that's cool. It's close. Yeah, there's parts of that, <laughs> parts of that that are great. It's theism. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kick you to the curb. We can still fellowship. We can still right. be buddies, even though you're a Native American spiritualist, you're a Buddhist, and I'm a Christian. You might be right. Yeah, it, because what you're really saying when you when you are that quick and eager to get along with everybody is you're saying, my own personal, I, I'm not really convicted about my right. own beliefs. That's what you're saying. Right. It was, it was a good episode, the episode of the King's Hall podcast on reductionism, because they granted that there are things that you can kind of rank. I mean, th there are times where it's appropriate to say, this issue is not as important as that issue. Right. So they, they grant that, but they also talk about how it's complicated because the moment that you say, well, the only thing we care about is, quote, the gospel, and we all know what Baptists and Presbyterians yes. mean by gospel. Yeah, all like, I care about is all the gospel. All we care is well, people and you know, have they get said, that They get that from the Bible because Paul said the same thing. Right, right, but how we define gospel, though, is very, very American. Like, uh, you know, 
Paul doesn't describe exactly which tenets of, the, of scripture constitute the gospel. We mean very particular things when we talk about gospel. Gospel just means good news. But when we say it, we mean you need to confess that Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God, and that he died for your sins. That's so, the gospel. So you think that we are, what, what we profess as as the gospel, as the essential gospel is actually a series of it's like steps. Three, it's, a, it's actually it's like some, three points tops. God made the world. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died to save you from your sins. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. We do not consider communion gospel centric. We do not consider dress at church, modesty. Um, we don't consider diet or food you know, consumption. None of those are gospel centered. When we talk about a gospel centric approach to our theology, we mean reductionism. We mean taking it down to like bare bones. What, how can we boil down the scriptures? Well, is is into three when, points. When, when we, <laughs> isn't reductionism? Aren't we just when when you say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through Him? Isn't that reductionism? That, yeah, that could be a, a version of reductionism. It's right. basically another way of of saying picking and choosing your um, verses, like. Picking and choosing Bible verses. Are you still not listening? No, I'm listening. I can hear it. It's just it got real quiet all of a sudden. Something's wrong with this headphone oh, jack. No. Yeah. Okay. I can hear you. Go ahead. Why don't you put it in jack number three and see no, if that helps? No, because jack number two Listen, is my jack. We've already wiped a butt. We I can am do going some to sound be, I am troubleshooting. Gonna, no, I'm going to be loyal to my jack. Okay. My jack is two, not three. Okay. All right. Sorry I suggested it. Don't worry, jack two. I'm sticking with you. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm okay. not like that. You know, you, he's, this Jack has served me well for all of these podcasts, and it's going to be a little flaky on one podcast, maybe, and I'm going to abandon it. No, that's not how I roll. Break. Maybe you wore him down. That's and he's not tired. how I roll. It's like you can, you, if you're not feeling good today, if you're having an off day, you know what? I'll we're just st- keep doing it we're anyway. Still, we're still friends. I'll I'm keep not, draining you anyway, even though you need a break. I'm going to treat this Jack the way I treat you. You know, <laughs> you're not always, you're not always good for me. I've been sick sometimes, for several sometimes months. Sometimes you drain me. I've been sick for several months you're still making me record this <laughs> sometimes, podcast sometimes sometimes i can't count on you either peach i'm not just gonna get rid of you well i'm gonna get a different host not just gonna different let co-host. you rest no i'm gonna get no. rid of peaches is off the podcast i want to get somebody that's uh better that's spry no that can think straight that's not what we do that sleeps here. at night <laughs> i'm gonna get somebody who sleeps find somebody who actually sleeps i'm gonna get someone whose heart rate is under 150 <laughs> I think I got that one covered today, but yeah. Anyway, anyway. Somebody whose heart beats slower than a bird's. Yes. Reductionism is taking a single text or a single chapter or a single verse, making that the only thing that matters. And it often happens out of necessity because you need to find some allies in a culture war. But then how do we come back from that? And how do we build what the King's Hall guys would call a robust theology, something that includes all the trimmings, like not just not just Sunday school, anemic, you know, skinny, bare bones stuff, but something that actually answers real questions for real life in, in a broad way and something that acknowledges that for centuries this faith has been built by very smart, very faithful, very um, intellectually rigorous, you know, God-loving people we have this inheritance that we've gotten from our our great lords and ladies ahead of us and we don't want to just 
carelessly sell off the perimeter because we are too stupid or too unwise to understand why it's there yet. And so that's another thing to keep in mind. So even as I'm encouraged that, yes, it seems that even heathens, you know, even the the unwashed miscreants of the world who didn't, who, who are not as, you know, as developed as we are. Right. Even they have this concept that they must have come from somewhere and, you know, right. they want to worship that creator. That right. is encouraging. Even, even those primitive people who didn't have language yet or alphabets right. or, right. or anything, really. They were right. just a couple of steps above the animals that they were hunting. Right, and they still want to worship something. Yeah. And they can't, you know, even evolutionary biologists are having a real tough time coming up with a plausible idea for why that would help our survival. Why would pausing the the process of hunting and gathering long enough to sacrifice a bull, like why? To give thanks to somebody <laughs> for that, that bull. What would that do for us? I feel yeah. like our time could have been better spent, you know, sewing clothing and um, building houses right right figuring out how to make things catch fire figuring out how to harness the power of water and, right how to yeah. how to catch fish yeah. but no they were they decided that ritually you know on a schedule they were going to sacrifice stuff where does that come from you what know in the world so it's encouraging and I I agree that when I'm talking to an atheist or some somebody who has the audacity to suggest there is nothing spiritual. It's all physical. Right. The first thing I do is say, you are in the very minor minority. Like, there are billions and billions of humans who have existed throughout right. time who know that there is a God. Who, who may not identify as Baptists. Right. But they still say there is something other than there this is physical. at least one god <laughs> yeah there is something else out there besides yeah. just so physical atoms it's hard it's hard to know it's hard to know when to um agree you know when to join join hands or lock elbows and walk together and when to depart because you come to a fork in the road and it's like no i can't sell this land like i have to keep this um it's difficult and i think if it weren't for my belief that God is sovereign and that he's ultimately back there, you know, up there, around here, <laughs> directing all of this. Right. Even after you sell off the land, he's still going to he's still gonna make sure that everything works out. He still the owns he the land, even if to. I gave it to somebody, to right. my, gave it to somebody I had a debt right. to. You may have diminished your kingdom, but you haven't diminished God's. Right. Right. And so it's helpful sometimes it's helpful for me to remember that ultimately he is the person that I'm trusting and I didn't I didn't come up with all of this stuff you know I I agree with the Native Americans and everyone else all the other spiritualists who say we didn't make ourselves you know and so we right. want to seek the truth about whoever did um, I agree with that and it's it's helpful it makes me feel a little bit more relaxed it, it makes me feel a little bit more relaxed too but at the same time talking about it and saying well you know what i i think that the i think the native americans were right when they talk about the great spirit mm -hmm. you know i don't know anything about native Americans. <coughs> i don't know much about it um but i think that there's i think there's something to the idea that any, anybody that comes along and says uh, that this was created by something beyond us, I can agree with that. And then we can get into the specifics of 
of uh, what that is. And isn't that kind of what uh, happened on Mars Hill, you know, and Peter stood up and said, hey, I see you guys, you guys got the whole God thing covered. You got all kinds of gods here. And uh, yeah. you even got a statue to an unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God. And so from, from that perspective, God was the, quote, unknown God. Right. And proceeded from there so i think there's i think there's a pattern in the new testament about being somewhat agreeable with people who are right who are pagans be patient with that maybe patience is a good way to describe it because you don't want to you don't want to sell off the land you don't want to agree with falsehood right. but you do patience is a fruit of the spirit and so i know there are so many people so many people this day and age who are falsely attributing their um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Softness, their uh, yellow-bellied cowardice. That's the word, cowardice, to agreeable, to being patient. Like they're saying, oh. They don't think they're cowards. You should just be more like me because I have the fruit of the spirit that is patience. Right. I'm just they patient think that with these people. They think that they're being uh, magnanimous and And I don't think uh, they are. Inclusive. But I will admit, I will go out on a limb and say, I could stand to be more patient with people who, who don't agree on every single thing, you know, every single doctrine with me. Like, I have seen... I think it's, I, I think it's a more of a challenge when you start to get closer to your actual theology. Like, I'm, I'm less patient with people in my church than I am with people who are... Who, who believe in Native American spiritualism, for really? example. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've never stopped to, to wonder who I am less patient with. Well, the further away you are from Christianity, the more I go, well, you're just a, you're a lost person. You're a person who's who's completely out of their mind. I'm but just then you start generally to, impatient You start to get everyone. into my church, and it's like, now, well, now I expect you to know some stuff. Now I expect you to not be hmm. so flagrantly in... Uh, in rebellion against scripture. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that I'm, I'm in a season of my life where I'm trying to be more agreeable and I'm trying to be more patient I'm trying to have, I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And that's really the last few podcast episodes. These are the things that we've talked about and I'm trying to rut. do those things, even though it feels bad or feel scary because I've seen others who are not me who don't struggle with the same temptations that I have but I've seen them go a bad way with that and so you know there's I'm gun shy I'm like oh I don't want to I don't want to go and and call it patience when really I'm just deal, doing a deal with the devil you know I don't want to sell off the land when that's something the unwise son does um and so I'm I'm trying to do what I think is cultivating more fruit of the spirit despite that like that voice in my head that's like ugh, ugh, you're going that way the way of the people that you dislike <laughs> i think that if you're going to be if you're going to be part of a, a church or part of a community you you are going to at some point have to be comfortable with compromise right and the danger of for lack of a better term, legalism or or staunch adherence to what to your own theology and dogmas. The pro, the the danger with that is that you become uncompromising, right? 
and and then you you leave your church basically right. i i've i had a conversation with a member of our own family just a few days ago about not going to church right. this person doesn't go to church anymore because disagreement because they're annoyed yeah they're annoyed with with the way they've been treated and they're annoyed and i'm not even saying that they that they weren't mistreated in some cases but if you're going to be in community you better be prepared to be mistreated by the other people in the community from time to time right and other otherwise you're going to you're going to sell off all those chunks of land right. you're going to sell off and you're going to find yourself with with nothing you're going right. to be all alone and unaccosted by but, by but, neighbors, but that's because you've thrown everybody out of your well, life. Well, you're mix you're mixing the metaphor though. Yes, I am. What they think they're doing is preserving the land. Like they don't want to compromise with whoever's at their church who disagrees with them because they're afraid that's what it means to sell off the land. Like they want to preserve their understanding of who God is and all of these doctrines that matter to them. They value every single blade of grass. They won't even let anybody cut it. You know. Right. And so that's right. I understand that, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to tell. Like <laughs> when you're when you're protecting something that's actually true and good for the kingdom, versus when you're protecting something that's false and needs to be removed. Like sometimes you have to take, you have to deconstruct parts of your beliefs because they're wrong. And so that's that's always the trick. Well, that's that's the point. That's a good point. You have to deconstruct your theology. And many people are not willing to do that. Many people are not willing to take a hard look at what they believe and say, and, and just put it on the scale and see, see how if it everything balances out or if it's or if it falls apart. I'm thinking about the uh, the number of fights that people get into about how many days it took God to create the universe, uh, how. Um, Right, what day of the week you're supposed to worship on, right. whether or not communion you're supposed to take communion another, every right. week, how you're supposed to take communion. Right. Um, but but how do we decide what's important and what we can kind of ignore? Like at what point do we do we fight those battles and 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 make and care? You know, at what point do we care about those what we would call side issues or lesser important things. That's the whole question. Well, that's the whole question, but I don't think that that is a question. Uh, I don't think that that's a question that we can answer as individuals. I think mm. that's where that's where the community and the fellowship has has a role. You have to actually go in and have a conversation with people. And at least the person in mind that I'm talking about wasn't really amenable to the idea of of having any sort of a dialogue with right. the people who have yeah you know, well it's hard wounded them it's hard it's stressful it's not fun very often it's not always a fun conversation and i think a lot of us are dealing with dare i say perfectionism like dare you i know i'm not the kind of person who usually talks like this this is something that like a basic white chick would would say and i'm usually again going the complete opposite direction from that but i <laughs> it's another thing that i've been convicted about lately like i have this chick. all or nothing mentality about stuff you know uh -huh. if it's not perfect if it's not completely done the way that i envision a thing right 
And, oh, that was what I was going to do. I was going to have Cammie come and tell her story on this on this podcast if she wanted to, but I didn't talk to her about it before. Um, maybe we should do that for bonus material this week and see if okay. she wants to have Cammie come and tell, her, tell story. her story about how she's struggled with this. I, my heart goes out to her and to anyone who's like, oh, this is what I think is true. This is what I think is good. It's this plan, this idea, this belief system, whatever it is. It's this thing, and I got it figured out, and it's great. And everybody, come on board. Everybody else, come and join me in this thing. And if it doesn't all happen, if it doesn't all come together before you go to bed that night, it's like, I failed. I've failed, and everybody's doing it wrong. Right. And so... Right, and it's my fault. And what if that person died in a car accident on the way home? Yeah. And didn't make yeah. a decision? For me, it's smaller than that. It's like, you know, homeschooling. I've got a pile of papers in there that Emery hasn't done this week. Right. So I've been doing other things. I've been decorating for the birthday. And it's like... For the Harry Potter birthday. There's always this sense of guilt, like this underlying, oh, I would have, should have, could have done better or done more or done... like. We should be farther along. And if you stop and look at that thought or you, you ask yourself, like, how specifically, what could be better or what should yeah. you have done more, it, it disappears. It's right. like, well, okay, there wasn't anything else I could have done. Like, I've done a perfect, uh, I've made a perfectly good effort today. Right. But there's still this underlying, you know, perfectionism. But, but the world isn't perfect yet. The world so is not perfect there's yet. There's more I should have done. I had that conversation with your grandmother uh, last week when she was talking about wanting to be more she wanted to have a purpose. She gets right. to be 80, and I don't feel like I have a purpose. I don't have a purpose. And I said, well, what what should you be doing then that right. would be more purposeful? Well, well I don't know. You want, you want to see big things, big right. results all the time. And, yeah, playing the long game is difficult. I believe my son is yelling. Somebody's yelling, yeah. Emery is yelling. Okay, it. it's time to play the outro. All right. Uh, they are Hufflepuff. We're going to decorate for Hufflepuff. You... Uh, you know, if you if you want, Carl, you can go over to uh, johnbrandy.com and become a, a, a Click member. And if you don't want to become a Click member, you should still go on to YouTube on Sunday night and watch our live show, Starving Comics Quarantine Show. It's pretty fun. So if you like this podcast, it's really nothing like the podcast, but uh, but you should do it. Sunday nights, 7 o'clock Eastern on uh, YouTube. All right. We'll see you there then on Sunday. See you next time. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.